Welcome into another edition of Home Run Throwback. I am Jimmy Morris. You can follow me on Twitter at jmorrismcm. This is the Broadway Sports Media Podcast. BroadwaySportsMedia.com is the place where you can find all of your Titans coverage in training camp and then heading into the first preseason game this Friday. I am pleased to be joined tonight by the voice of the Titans, Mike Keith. Mike, how are you? Jimmy, it's great to be with you, and it's great that it is game week. Yes, absolutely. It feels like it's been a long time coming. Um, I think we're all excited, even even though it's a preseason game, to see see him on the field um, and see. Uh, there's, there's a lot of – the good thing about this team is we, we know, we, or at least we feel like we know a lot about it. Um, but there are still some things that are that, that we don't know a lot about, and I think we'll kind of start there. Uh, obviously, you know, going to face Arthur Smith, who was the Titans' offensive coordinator for the last couple of years, um, his replacement, Todd Downing. Uh, what have you seen from him so far in practice? What do you think is going to be different about the way he approaches a game maybe than Arthur Smith did? It's a good question. I've watched him in practice quite a bit. He is spending a lot of time on precision. They, they are really trying to be precise in what they do. And Arthur was, how do I describe him? He, he was more of a, he, he stood on the, he liked to work from the sideline. He went out and he made points and, and tried to get things across. And there were things that he wanted to, he had a look at it from behind and from the sideline. Todd likes to be in the middle of it. Todd likes to walk around and go out and see where the routes are and look at the depth and, you know, talk to certain guys. He he spends a lot of time interacting with players while other players are taking reps to say, hey, that, you know, right there, Westbrook Aquina did it exactly right. That's what you want to do. Uh, constantly teaching, uh, probably more vocal than Arthur, a little bit of a different style in terms of a personality in terms of what his offense is going to be. I you know, don't know. Just can't tell enough yet because a it's practice B all of the pieces haven't really been out there together at any point and C, I mean, they're not going to show very much right now. Anyway, I, I caution fans and my friends, <laughs> um, I said, now, look, if, if you think you're going to see you know, the greatest show on turf Friday night in Atlanta in terms of that, that's not what it's going to be. You know, they're they're going to run some things to see what guys can do. They're not game planning this. So there aren't going to be a lot of wrinkles. Uh, they want to see some guys try to beat people one on one quarterbacks, throw it where it's supposed to be running backs, work off blocks and hit their cuts. Uh, so I guess the overview of Todd Downing right now is will his personality make the offense a little different than Arthur Smith's personality? Because to this point, that's really the biggest difference we've seen. And one of the more interesting things I think that we've seen, or at least that's been reported from training camp, is kind of the receiver battle after you get past the top three guys. I mean, we, we I think we know the top three guys are going to be Julio, sure. A.J. Brown, Josh Reynolds. But you, you've got a whole mix of guys, some veterans, some some newcomers, some rookies, and it seems like, at least from everything that's been reported, that 
all of those guys are, are playing really well. Um, what have you seen from that group so far in this camp? I think the most consistent guy, Jimmy, has been Marcus Johnson. He's the one that has stuck out the most consistently. And, and all of them have had moments. Uh, certainly Chester Rogers has had moments. Uh, Racy McMath has had moments. Des Fitzpatrick is it's a very new game for him from what he did in college. And so he's, he's having to work hard, but you see his talent. I mean, he certainly has some big-time gifts. And then you've got a guy like Mason Kinsey, who is really an interesting player because of what he does. He can play that slot. He has good speed. And like Cam Batson, he could also be the punt returner. So then you've got Kalijah Lipscomb, and, and he's an impressive talent who continues to, to work hard and try to get in the mix. And Fred Brown does the same thing. You, you know, the... It's it's an interesting mix of guys, and I think the games are going to be what determines the difference. And I didn't really get into Westbrook Aquina, but I think his role, he's a good-looking receiver, but where he's got a big advantage is what a super special teams player he is. Uh, he's somebody that you're going to have to beat out overall because you can bet that Craig Ackerman is going to be very interested in him being on this football team. One of the guys that, um, obviously, the Titans took Dylan Radins in the, in the second round. Uh, we assumed that he would be in the mix in right, at right tackle. I think that's probably still the case. But it sounds like they've been moving him around quite a bit at different spots on the line so far. I know that Mike Vrabel said something last week to the extent of needs to see a little bit more consistency out of him, which, I mean, in my opinion, is not, not surprising to hear something like that with a guy that, one's a rookie, two, is, is playing a bunch of different spots. What have you seen from him so far, and do you think his position on this team is ultimately right tackle? Good question. Um, Dylan has played every spot except center, and that's not easy. I think his practices over the last four or five practices have been vastly better than what you saw early on. Just like you said, not surprising. Um I think he's a long-term starter for the Tennessee Titans. I could certainly see it being right tackle, but I could also see him being a guard. You know, you could you could see with his power and his punch, he could play the guard spot. Turns out right now, the Titans are, are pretty doggone good at guard with Roger Saffold and Nate Davis. Nate Davis is a little dinged up right now, but those are two really good players I think he's going to fight for time, but I think they want to see him overall everywhere. They've got him in drills, uh, team drills, getting as many reps as possible. You know, he's worked with the ones when they've had some injuries. He's worked with the twos. They've thrown him in some different spots when there's been a third offensive line. What you see in Raidens is they're getting him work, and I think his improvement has been apparent even to a you know, sort of a blind observer like myself, who's by no means an offensive line expert, you can tell when a guy's getting blocked and when he's not. Early on, Raiden's guys were not getting blocked all the time. Now it's happening much more frequently. So he's obviously getting better. And I, and I think he has a big future with this ball club. I'm excited about it. But in terms of position, I, I don't think we know yet. 
Uh, yeah, one of the more interesting uh, stories, I guess, has been, you know, Taylor Lewan coming back from the ACL, recording this on Monday night. And I think today, at least based on reports, was the first time that he had been in, you know, kind of the team stuff. Um, yes. Obviously, they're, they're kind of working him slowly back in. Does he look healthy from what you've been able to see so far? Yes, he looks healthy. And he was chomping at the bit to get back in team. You know, they had him on sort of the maintenance program where you'd see a guy work for about an hour, and then when they get deep into team, they'd take him and have him do something else conditioning-wise. And he was clearly – I know this is hard to believe because Taylor hides his emotions so well. Yeah. Um, he was clearly not elated with not being involved in team. So to see him back at left tackle running around – doing Taylor Lewan things, uh, he was very excited to do it. I, I think he looks great. Um, it looks like his weight is really good. You know, he looks like he's in, in fantastic condition. And I, he told me, and he said to other people as well, he's excited to be back because he's a player, Jimmy, that had never had an injury at any point in his career. And so because he had never had an injury – it really hit him hard. He he didn't know what to do. And I think his, uh, you know, a lot of people in his life, including his wife, kicked his butt a little bit to get him in gear. And, and he has taken that as a motivator that he missed the game and is back and excited to be playing. Yeah. And, you know, I think Derek Henry, even though he didn't have it, not, not coming back from an injury, it sounds like they're, you know, kind of easing him in as well, or at least, you know, taking it easy on him early in camp so far. That's obviously given a guy like Darrington Evans extra reps, um, a guy that we were all really excited about this time last year, and then just a variety of injuries sidelined him for the majority of the season. What have you seen from him? What do you think he brings to this offense that they maybe didn't have last year? Good pass catcher. I think he's stronger than what people think. I like the fact that, like Derek, he's, he's really a one-cut guy and gone. You know, he's not afraid to run inside, even though he's not the biggest back in the world. He certainly has good speed, but he hits it and gets it. That's that's what he is all about, is hitting it and getting it. And I, I think this is the guy we expected to see last year who liked Fulton, who liked Murchison, who liked Tart, who, who liked Westbrook Aquina, who liked Aaron Brewer didn't have an off-season or, or preseason games. And so while we haven't seen Brewer yet, and I'm excited to see him at some point in the offensive line, all of these guys look like vastly different players today. And I can't decide which looks like they've made the greatest jump because they all seem to have. Evans may have made the biggest jump, however. Maybe. He looks fantastic. They brought in Matt Barkley last week um, to, I mean, presumably compete for the backup spot. I'm assuming we're going to get to see quite a bit of Logan Woodside, Matt Barkley in this preseason game. I don't know if Tannehill will play at all. Um, I'm, we probably won't know that until Friday night. But what have you seen from him so far, and is that a true competition for the backup spot? As we record this on Monday, my honest answer is not much. Because he got in on Friday, and by the time you know, he got some work on Saturday, got more work today. So I've seen a lot of it. 
And that's what we're kind of waiting to see as sort of the week goes on, as we see more of him and how much he will play. For Woodside, I think this is big. Because we saw Woodside play in the preseason, you know, when he was clearly not going to be the backup guy. And that was fine. We didn't see him last year entering the season as the leader to be the backup, playing with first-teamers and running the offense in the preseason. So, Jimmy, I think that's a big deal. I I think you want to see, as we talk about guys taking a step, I think we want to see him take a step and not just run the offense, but move the offense and score points. Because if, heaven forbid, they needed him to play four or five games, this is a team that needs a backup quarterback to help them win because we feel like this team, as a as a ball club that was the AFC South champion last year and has made the playoffs the last two years, has a chance to be something special. So I think for, for him, he's definitely the leader in the clubhouse right now, but he's got to keep showing it. And we'll see Barkley. You know, we'll see more of him, and we'll see how much he's able to take in in this offense. I always like Barkley. Um, I think he is a true NFL backup quarterback. I don't think he's a starter, but that's okay. Uh, You remember my first broadcast partner with the Titans, Pat Ryan. Uh, Pat Ryan was a backup for 13 years with the Jets, and he said to me, he goes, I was truly a backup. He said, for a change-up in a game for a week, for a change-up for three or four games, that's what I could provide. He said, now my skill set was a bit limited, so if it got longer than that, people would start to figure me out. Well, you know, Barkley's a guy that I, I think could give you that sort of lift. He's shown it. He's made seven starts in the NFL. Can Woodside show that in more of a playing scenario and, and can he take that next step that he didn't have the chance to do with no preseason games a year ago? I'm going to be real interested to watch him. I think he's looked really sharp in practice. I've been very impressed with him. And now, you know, kind of want to see the next step and, and see if there really is going to be a battle with Barkley. If, if that door opens up, Woodside, as the incumbent backup, you would think if he plays well, has a chance to close that door. All right, flipping to the defensive side of the ball, um, T.R. Tart is a guy that you had mentioned pretty early in camp last year as a guy to watch and um, is a guy that, I mean, it seems like every day somebody is pointing out a play that he's made. Um, You know, the the, the Titans released the first unofficial depth chart today. There was a lot of (laughs) back and forth about that on Twitter. But, um, you know, Tart was listed as the starting nose tackle. Yeah. Do you think that's his job to lose at this point? I do. I do. I think he's put himself in that position with how he played last year. You know, he made plays when he was in there. Um, his offseason was outstanding. He has remade his body. You don't recognize him from a year ago. Um, he he really looks stout. I, I was told, you know, he started working out in January. And that would make a lot of sense that he just came back and said, what do I have to do? Terrell Williams, the defensive line coach, has really done a whale of a job with him. And I think the the bond there, I mean, Tier's had some tough luck in his life. And he's found, I think, somebody in his D-line coach 
who is more than just a coach, who's somebody who is a, and, and I think some of the defensive linemen as well have been really positive influences on him. And he's been able to carry that over to the field. I'm really impressed. There, there are a lot of those guys that win the off season competitions and you say, well, you go into year two and, you know, he flashed in year one, but can you be consistent, right? Can you, can you be an NFL player, which is down in, down out? I'm not saying Tier Tart's got it all figured out yet and that it's all perfect, but he has taken the hype and he has backed it up to this point. And that's been very impressive to me. So to answer your question, yeah, I think he's, I think he's the starter right now when they play three down linemen. You mentioned that he's the guy that came in looking different than last year. Um, Mike Rabel said the same thing about Christian Fulton. And another guy that, you know, every day there's a report that he, you know, made a play, was involved in this, had, a, had an interception, whatever. Um, you know, the, the we'll, we'll talk more about the cornerback group as a whole in a minute. But what have you seen from Fulton so far? I mean, I know a lot of – we were really excited about him last year. And then, you know, like with Evans – uh, with Darius and Evans had the injuries and just didn't really get to see it all come together last year. But what have you seen from him? I mean, is he kind of confidently taking one of those corner starting corner positions? You just used the word confidence. That's the difference. Jimmy, he's playing like the football is his. He's not backpedaling because he's scared. He's backpedaling in order to plant his foot and break on the ball or or try to break on the receiver. Uh, he He's playing like an LSU guy. You know, when you watch LSU play, they've got all these athletes, uh, and, and they always have them on defense, and they're attacking. I mean, it's like how many, you know, it's like they got 50 guys on defense. They're, that's what their unit always looks like. They're swarming. They're attacking. Well, as a rookie, he didn't look like he was attacking. He looked like he was reacting, and now he looks like he's attacking. It's... It's been very, very impressive to see him. And I don't know who's been better so far, Christian Fulton or Amani Hooker, but it is a close race between those two. Yeah, and I mean, you know, obviously we know the, the issues that this defense had last year. Um, the, the cornerback group is going to be completely different than what we saw at least at the beginning of the year last year. Right. Um, what have you said? They added Jenkins, Jackrabbit Jenkins, um, to kind of – I guess, step into the role that Malcolm Butler filled very well last year. What have you seen from him so far in camp? Um, has he been kind of – I mean, it seemed like they brought him in to a group that – I mean, obviously you've got Bayard in the secondary who's, who's played a lot, but the rest of that group is, is pretty young as far as, you know, starts in the NFL. Um, what have you seen from him? Has he kind of taken that leadership role with that group? I think he has. I think he knows where he is in his career now. And I think he's really embraced it. I think he's very excited about being part of the team. And man, he's fast. I mean, he is, he is so fast. Um, I, I thought the secondary last year, because we did not have a Dory Jackson for the majority of the year, I didn't think the secondary was fast enough. I just didn't think they, they had those athletes and, and you've got to have those guys. And in adding Christian Fulton back to the mix, in adding Jackrabbit, in adding Amani Hooker at safety with Bayard, um, and I haven't even talked about Caleb Farley yet or the, you know some of the other players that have been sort of brought into the mix or have developed, 
but they're a lot faster and and they they close more quickly that's why they've been such a disruption to this offense at times in my opinion is they're just there's just more speed i think there's more speed overall on the entire defense that to me is the biggest difference in the whole group but in the secondary it's most obvious yeah it, like you said you mentioned farley there um and it was very encouraging how quickly he came off of, I guess he was on NFI, right, instead of PUP. Yes. But yes. Um, very encouraging how quickly he was able to get get back out there. And it seems like, you know, assuming there's not a setback at this point, he, he should be on pace to, to be available when the season starts. What have you seen from him so far? I mean, he looks like, just, just seeing, like, pictures and video of him, he looks like a, just a very imposing figure. Um, <laughs> what, have, what have you seen from him so far? I've said this on multiple occasions, so I'm going to say it to you, too. He's the best-looking corner we've had since I've been with the ball club. And, and I'm not talking about Rob Lowe Handsome. I'm talking about <laughs> in terms of the – maybe he's that, too. I don't know. But I, I'm talking about the physical gifts that the good Lord has, has bestowed upon him, being 6'2", being over 200 pounds, having the kind of speed he has – Having the kind of length that he does, you know, I, I'm hopeful that he'll have a career where someday he's putting on a gold jacket because he goes to 10 Pro Bowls and so on and so forth. And, and I don't know. I mean, maybe he will, maybe he won't. But I'll say that on the front end, the gifts that he has give him a look like nobody we've ever had. And they're being hard on him. You know, they're pushing him right away. You know, they, they say that, you know, it's funny because in any sport, when a coach is on your butt, that's because they're looking to get something out of you because they expect something from you. They're pushing Caleb already. And Caleb is, is having, and, and I think he's gotten better pretty consistently. I'm, I'm impressed with his mental, too, because there were some things that happened in a drill early on and some things he obviously didn't know because the pro schemes – on offense are, are certainly more intricate than the college schemes, but it was amazing how he adjusted one day to the next. By the second day, they weren't pulling those tricks on him again. And he's not he's not perfect, and he you know he'd give up some catches. But for a guy who's playing corner for the third year of his life, um, man, he is a big time prospect. If if he can fulfill what his potential is, I think the Titans will be thrilled. We talked after the draft last year, and I know a guy that you were really excited about was Elijah Molden, um, the fact that the Titans were able to get him in the third round. What have you seen from him so far? I, I know he was making some noise early. I haven't heard as much about him in recent days. But to me, he looks like a, a guy that gives this group a depth that they certainly didn't have last year. Um, but w what have you seen from him so far in camp? Scrappy, uh, a guy who plays better with pads on which is good because they play every Sunday in pads, right, Jimmy? Uh, yeah. it, it's, you, when he was just running drills and shorts, I thought he looked pretty good. But when he gets the pads on, the football player in him is better than the overall athlete package. He knows the game. He understands the game. He doesn't mind the contact. You know, that's a pretty interesting thing, the nickel spot for this ball club right now because they're going to have some real options. They're going to have some things that they can do with that spot. And Elijah's, you know, 
Chris Jackson's off to a nice start there too. Uh, Chris Jackson's sort of the forgotten guy. You know, everybody everybody stopped mentioning him, and he's fought in there. But Molden has has shown up, and you know, I don't, is he ready for prime time yet? I don't know, but um, I, I like the way he goes at the game. He's got some uh, he's got some Cortland Finnegan to him. And I think that's a that's a great thing for a guy playing the nickel to have that scrappy. Okay, bring it on. Um, he he's got a confidence and a know how about him. I think he's a good football player. I really do. So much was made last year about what Shane Bowen's role was. I mean, you know, I don't have to rehash all of that. But now that he is, you know, officially named the defensive coordinator, and he talked about the differences in what he's able to do this year versus last year, you know, not being a position coach, so to speak. Um, what what difference have you seen from him and maybe the way that the defense has been running in practice with him officially in that role? I think presence, that's one thing, because he can be a walk-around defensive coordinator now. I had a chance to, to do an interview with him for television, and we'll air it at some point in September, I think. Um, but, he, but he made it clear. He said not being an outside linebacker coach, he misses it, but he also knows it makes it easy, easier to do what he's doing, not having one position you're tied down to. Um, I think the clarity for everybody has been a good thing. I think the clarity for the players as to who the who the voice is has been good, and he has said that as well. I think the other thing, too, is the Jim Schwartz factor. Jim Schwartz, and, and boy, that was a – if this team wins a bunch of games and has a great year, that might be as good an acquisition as this club made. Because to bring in Jimmy, who is one of the great defensive minds in the NFL – a guy who was going to sit out football this year, and now all of a sudden they bring him in to a role that Gunther Cunningham and Dave McGinnis really filled for him 20 years ago when he was a young defensive coordinator getting criticism because he was following Greg Williams. Remember that? Um, so, so now he's in this role where he is the eye in the sky for Shane Bowen. And I think Shane has already alluded to it a couple times, just to be able to have, you know, somebody that you can go to and say what you see and have Jimmy be able to lay that out for him in such a big way to ask his advice on handling things. I think that has gone really, really well already in the two weeks. And Shane's made reference to that on more than one occasion. Bud Dupree, another guy that started the the camp on he was on PUP, um, but you know came off really more even quick more quickly than I thought he would. Um, I'm assuming we won't see him Friday, but th- what have you seen from him so far? What is he going to bring to this team that they didn't have last year? Explosion. First thing you notice about him is he's a big dude. He's a he's a really large guy, and he told me, you know, he came out of college at 270. He goes about 260 now, and you're you're really amazed when you see him in person what kind of size 
that he has and that he brings and the the overall speed you know he ran four five six at the combine which was crazy but i I mean he is constantly going uh he's almost one like in his motor that he doesn't ever really want to stop so what they've allowed him to do so far he's obviously been thrilled to be back out there but jimmy he's on a pitch count right now they're they're looking at you know september and so i don't know that we see dupree in the preseason maybe we do but i i think they're going to make certain that he's not only healed from his acl but that he is able to give them his best effort and be his best this year you know you don't want to get in a situation where he comes out and he's not the same guy that he was in pittsburgh because he hasn't had the full opportunity to heal up they'll they're pretty good at this. This is something that Todd Torricelli and the doctors are good at. And you know who else is good at it, too, is John Robinson and Mike Vrabel. Uh, some coaches don't like to listen to all that. Some GMs aren't big fans of, you know, let's pace a guy. They're pretty good at this. And I think that's one of the things that's really helping them get veterans to want to come here and play because the way they take care of Derrick Henry the way they take care of A.J. Brown, the way they're taking care of Julio Jones, the way they've taken care of offensive linemen. Uh, you, you don't win on Wednesday or Thursday. You just don't. And I, I think the fact that Vrabel knows that because of his playing experience is is a big factor. That's a To me, it's a huge positive in terms of how they handle the ball club. Yeah, and that's the question I was going to ask. I mean, do you think Mike Vrabel having, you know, played as long as he did and, and going through all the different – I mean, he talked about all the different roles that he played, you know, being the being the rookie and being the the free agent and then being the, the guy, you know, the veteran at the end of his career. Do you think him going through that gives this team a better sense of how to work with, with different guys at different points? So he talks a lot about, you know, their – return to play process, whatever it is that he calls it. But, I mean, just from the outside looking in, that seems to be a pretty significant advantage that he has as far as understanding where guys are in the process, like you said, not not having to have everybody out there for every day of practice, early in training camp, those those kind of things. But to me, it looks like having a guy that understands that gives this team an advantage that maybe some some coaches don't have that type of perspective. 100%. It, to me, it's huge. Because you know he saw Belichick handle Teddy Bruschi and Willie McGinnis and, you know, sort of on and on and on with those veterans that were on that team that he saw and, and he would talk to them about what they needed. How much practice do you need? You know, what, what do you have to have? And getting the buy-in, and I've said this pretty regularly about how they handled Derrick Henry. Derrick clearly has a buy-in to what the procedure is to get him ready. And when he goes into the sand pit or he goes in and grabs a workout or whatever, he's trusting the medical and the training staff because he knows the coach and the GM also trust him. And I think that's huge. I think that's just such a big deal for a player like 
you know, Derrick Henry or for Ryan Tannehill or for Taylor Lewan or Roger Saffold, if, if you know they've got your back, that they're not doing that to you because they're trying to replace you, they're doing that for you in order to have you ready to play the season. I think that's massive. And for me, Vrabel, having come off a career, I mean, Vrabel was just playing 11 years ago. So for him to come off a career where at the end of his time, he saw that um, with where this team is right now, I think it's a big deal. I I think the smart coaches are going to do that. You talked earlier a little bit about Imani Hooker. Um, a guy that we've we've been excited about and has, has played well when he's had chances to be on the field. What have you seen from him so far? I mean, it it seems like he's given the Titans a chance to have, you know, one of the better safety combinations in the league. Um, has he, you know, really taken that position? And, and, I mean, do you feel confident about where he's going to be when the season starts? 100%. 100%. You know, I when they got him, I teased him. I called him the steal because everybody thought he was going to be a second or third round pick and the Titans got him in the fourth round and you're able to develop him. He played as the dime back in 2019. Last year he played more situationally. He got some starts when Vaccaro was out. He played well. Uh, you, you'd love to bring a guy along like that. You know, they didn't have to throw him in there and have his confidence get damaged or, have him get an injury that doesn't allow him to make progress. They've been able to bring him along. I mean, this is sort of like the old college scenario. Uh, you know, you play a little bit as a freshman and sophomore, and you're ready to start as a junior, right? That's that's kind of what has happened with him. You know, he's just 23. He's just turned 23. Uh, he, he makes plays on the football. He's physical enough, but he he's not a linebacker playing safety. Somebody described those players today, and I thought it was a good description. The, the, the guys at safety who were basically linebackers, those guys are cassette tapes. That, that era is gone. Uh, your, your safeties now have to have cornerback tendencies more than linebacker tendencies. And yet, they still have to, be, they still have to you know, come up and be willing to tackle. They don't have to be you know, knockout artists. But they got to get guys on the ground. And that's what Amani is. Uh, Amani might be the best basketball player on the team. He, he's certainly one of the best overall athletes, and he's been able to translate that into what he's doing right now. I'm, I'm, I've always been a big fan. I'm really excited about him. He's a good guy, and uh, I, I think he and Byard together are going to be a lot of fun. I was a little bit surprised when they were able to bring Jayon Brown back. It, it seemed like he was a guy that was going to go somewhere else and, and get a bunch of money. Signs there on a one-year deal, um, you know, kind of a, I guess, prove-it type thing. But, you know, you've seen the difference in this defense when he's on the field versus when he's not on the field. Um, mm-hmm. What have you seen from him so far in camp? Does he look healthy? Um, you know, is, is he ready to – maybe expand on that role that he's played so far in this defense, which is, which has been great. I agree. You know, the thing about Jay on is I thought we had a chance to get Jay on back because linebackers generally don't get paid crazy money. And there wasn't extra money in the market. Someone asked me watching a practice last January, 
They said, if you could have any free agent back, who would you want? I said, Jayon Brown. And the reason that I said that is I think he's so important. This defense really tanked after he went out. They had gotten better. They were improving. And then when he got hurt at Baltimore, it was just never really the same. Uh, So he is an extension of how Vrabel wants it done out there. Vrabel's really hard on him. I mean, Vrabel Vrabel has Jay on, Jay on, Jay on, Jay on. Um, If you're at practice, you know that's true. And Mike's talked about it. You know, he said, listen, he goes, I I expect more out of Jay on because Jay on has got to run the show. He's, he's sort of the quarterback of the defense. So he gives you that. He gives you good pass coverage. He plays the run. There, there are just a lot of things that in, he, he has a lot of intangibles that sort of fix whatever problems that you have. It's like if there's an issue running to the right, if the other team's running to the right and there's a big opening, it's as if Jayon's going to be the guy to make the tackle so a six-yard run doesn't become a 60-yard run. Those are the sorts of things that he gives you, along with playmaking ability, along with confidence, along with a guy who is a four-down player. He can stay on the field no matter the situation. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a massive Jayon Brown fan, uh, in large part because Dave McGinnis, uh, Coach Mack is such a Jayon Brown f- fan, and they talk. They they will visit sometimes standing there. Coach Mack, as you know, was an outstanding linebacker coach. He loves Jayon's game. And if Coach Mack says he can do it, I'm taking that to the bank. When we talked about the offense, we kind of glossed over the, the top two guys at receiver in A.J. Brown, Julio. Obviously, Julio has, has been out they're going to be cautious with him. Again, like you said, looking towards September, not really worried about what's happening now. But A.J. Brown, especially early in camp, uh, was, you know, I guess being the guy that we all kind of expected him to be. Um, does he look 100% healthy, and is he ready to – I mean, those of us who have watched him since he's been here understand how good he is. But, I mean, do you <laughs> think he's ready to kind of uh, – as far as from the national perspective, is he ready to take that next step to where he's mentioned in that top group of receivers? He should be, I, I think. Uh, you know, we got in trouble as a staff, you know, Amy Wells and I and the group who does broadcast, we got in trouble when he was a rookie because we came away from practices every day raving about him. You know, just, oh, my goodness. Like, okay, you don't need to be talking about a rookie like that. You don't need you know. And it's like, okay, you know, whatever. And then he goes out and has the rookie season that he has. <laughs> and, and so last year we did the live training camp look-ins. We would show him on every one, even if he wasn't doing anything. <laughs> we, we would be like, look, it's, it's A.J. Brown walking down the field. Because the guy's a star, right? I mean, yeah. he is a star. And so then last year he, he catches 70 passes for – you know, 1,075 yards, and he's, and he's playing basically injured all year. He didn't practice a lot. And I, I, what what I've seen of him so far, has he been dominating? Yes. Has he been A.J.? Yes. Um, I, I just think he's a special talent. And I thought he was a special talent at Ole Miss. I'm no scout. I'm no expert. But 
I know stars when I see them, and I, I think he's a star. So, uh, from what I've seen, yeah, he's he's looked like AJ, and I'm excited to see he and Julio and Josh together. I don't know if we're going to see that much before the Arizona game, but uh, when it happens, I'm I'm fired up to see it. One of the positions that's been the most closely watched in training camp has been the kicker. Um, kicker, you know, it, yeah, and it's a. I mean, it's a good problem to have when that's kind of the the biggest question you have um, heading heading into a, a, a season with with a team like this. But it, obviously, a, a very important thing. And you know, those of us who, who have watched this team over the last couple of years know the the issues that they've had at that position. Um, what have you? I mean, I know at this point we've got McCann and Sam Ficken in camp. What have you seen from those guys so far? And do you think that the the guy who's going to be the kicker when they go into week one, is he on this roster right now? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Because I want to see Tucker McCann kick in a game. That's what I want to see. Um, Sam Ficken, I think we know more about. He has kicked in games. He's made game-winning field goals. He has been streaky in his career. That is sort of his career arc. But he's been an NFL kicker. And he may end up winning the job. But McCann, a couple things about McCann. First of all, we really liked him last year. Really thought, you know, they kept him on the practice squad, which was a surprise to me. Uh, that they would keep keep a kicker on the practice squad. I, that shocked me. Um, but he did a really nice job. The other thing, too, Jimmy, is he has a very consistent leg swing. And I don't know if you're a golfer, but, you know, I, I think about Ernie Els. Ernie Els, in his prime, looked like he was taking a practice swing every time he hit the golf ball. It was this smooth, it's like... How can this thing go more than 10 yards? He doesn't swing at it very hard. But it's because it was so smooth. That's what this guy's kicking stroke is like, McCain. It's very consistent. He it, it, He's able to replicate it, you know, kick after kick after kick. And he's been, he's been pretty good overall. You know, he hasn't had perfect days, and Ficken's had a couple of days that were better. But he's got a... He's got a nice mindset to him. He's got good um, leg strength in terms of being able to kick, you know, deep field goals or kickoffs. But I've never seen him kick in a game. And does he get down to Atlanta or down to Tampa and keep doing what he's doing? Or does he get down there and just totally freak out? I, I think that's going to tell us a lot about what comes next. I've said it would be great if he wins the job because, you know, he could be this team's kicker for a while and for a team tight against the salary cap, wouldn't be an awful thing to have him making, what, 600 and change instead of paying somebody $3 million. But I'll tell you this, if they're not satisfied, they'll go spend $3 million. They're, they're, they're not looking to go cheap on a kicker in order to – be in a position where they save money. If that happens, great. But if they have to go spend money to find the guy, they're going to look under every rock. Because here's the number, 61%. We've made 61% of our field goals the last two years. 
that's not good enough. That, that's not good enough for most high schools or colleges, let alone an NFL team. If, if we're going to be better, we've got to be over 80 again. And that's not too much to ask. Uh, a question that Two-Tone Blue Nation asked on Twitter um, that I thought was a pretty good one. You know, obviously this year the, the schedule has gone to 17 games, reduced the preseason to three. Uh, I think we all think eventually we're going to an 18-game regular season. Is that kind of the way that you see things going and maybe reducing the preseason down to two, eventually we get to 18 regular season games? I think as they work it out going forward and they see different ways to be able to do it, do we do 18 games over 20 weeks? Do we, you know, are there some concessions that you make in there? Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense because there's so much money in the television and in the streaming rights and in the, other, you know, just the media things. And the players are partners in that. You know, the reason that the salary cap didn't drop more dramatically this year after losing $4 billion in revenue last year is because of the 17th game. You know, the 17th game saved the players a ton of money against the cap. So, yeah, I could see that happening. And then what you would do in the preseason is you would play at Tampa, for example, and you'd go down there and practice against Tampa. And then you'd play home against Chicago, for example, and Chicago would come in and you'd work against them for a few days. I I could definitely see that as how it goes going forward to be a little bit more balanced. The other thing, too, is, you know, I I think this, the international part of it is going to continue expanding because this is an area where the league has tremendous growth opportunities, particularly in three areas, I think, in Mexico, in England, and in Germany. Okay, and as we kind of wrap this up, you know, obviously we talked about the, the preseason opener this Friday in Atlanta. Um, not expecting to see a, a handful of guys that we, you know, know will be there when week one comes. What are a couple of things that you're looking for to see from this team in Atlanta? Well, I touched on a couple of them. I want to see the, the quarterbacks and the kickers. You know, that, that's something that jumps out to me because that's two areas where we didn't have a chance to see play in the preseason a year ago. So I think that's big for this club. I'm very interested in the shuffling of the offensive line and who can play where, what those combinations can be in terms of being able to give you depth. I think this is going to start to determine some of what we're seeing at right tackle, probably not the full impact of it, but I think there there's going to be some of that. I also want to see who can snap it, who can go in at guard. You know, they've got they've got quite a group of veterans there um, to be able to, to take a look at. Uh, and I don't think they'll be scared to go with a very veteran group if that's what they have to do in order to give themselves the best eight on game day, the most experience. On defense, I'm interested to see the outside linebackers, who plays the best. Now that cones and pads aren't involved anymore, you know, that they're not hitting blocking dummies, they got a chance to go after a quarterback. I'm also interested to see Monty Rice and David Long, who both started well on the inside. 
and I'm, I'm interested to see the depth at the corner position. Plus, I want to see who returns punts. I think that's a huge tell about this about a spot on this roster. This team needs to return a punt better than they have in recent years. This this club ought to be better at that. And that's that's about a returner. You know, the Falcons now have, now have Cordero Patterson, so they've taken care of their kickoff returns. You know, that's a that's a great way to go to take care of your kickoff returns, right? Yeah. Um, we need to take care of our punt returns because that's an area that I think we can be a lot better. We've got to find that returner. And if we do, you know, that's a, that's a roster spot that somebody ends up getting because it is that important. Yeah, absolutely. That is going to be one of the fun things to watch. Do you think Chester Rogers gets the first crack at that? It's an interesting question that, you know, they've worked a bunch of guys. So I don't know. I mean, Batson would be the most logical because he has the, you know, the seniority in terms of that group. But Rogers, Mason Kinsey is a, is a guy who could do that too. He did that in college and did that really well. He's a faster guy than you think he is. Keep an eye on him Friday night. All right. Well, good stuff, Mike. I appreciate you uh, taking the time on game week to join us. Um, Obviously, you have the official Titans podcast that comes out. Y'all are doing that weekly at this point, right? Doing it twice a week at this point. Uh, we'll have another one out, I think, on Thursday. Uh, we had a fun one this weekend where Coach Mack and Rhett uh, Brian took part with Amy and me, and uh, we've really, we've really enjoyed doing it. It's uh, the response has been a lot greater than I ever thought. I, who knew, right? Uh, everybody except me knew that people that people really enjoy podcasts. And uh, for me, you know, I did a daily radio show for nine years, and that's what this feels like to me now, the creativity that goes with it. I really enjoy it a lot more. Amy took me into it kicking and screaming three years ago, three and a half years ago now. And I, I really, really enjoy it. And I... I had a chance to, uh, on, on this podcast for this upcoming edition, visit with uh, Dan Graziano from ESPN. And I think you'll enjoy some of his comments. He is, he is certainly bullish on the Titans. Sounds good. We'll look forward to that. Uh, Mike, thanks so much for taking the time to uh, join us tonight. Jimmy, thanks for asking. I always enjoy it. All right. Well, that's good stuff. That is Mike Keith, voice of the Titans, who joined us tonight on home run throwback so um, we appreciate his time as always again you can subscribe to the official titans podcast and to home run throwback wherever you get your podcast so just search that out Um, we appreciate your listening there and any rating and reviewing that you'd like to do we much appreciate it as well so we will be back in the next couple of days with the daily home run throwback daily so check that out and like i said check out the official titans podcast with Mike Keith, Amy Wells, and their whole group of people that do that. So for Mike Keith, this is Jimmy Morris saying thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you again very soon. Brought to you by Broadway Sports Media.